it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the legendary Fox News studios in Washington, D.C. The champ is in the swamp. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to bring you a big Friday edition of Top Shelf Radio in a bottom-feeding political world. 888-788-9910. If you want to be a part of this shindig, the city has changed, but the rules remain the same. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a That is all we ask So we get underway on a big Friday. I just got off the TV with Harris Faulkner on the Faulkner Focus. We'll post that hit on the Fox Across America Facebook page shortly. Uh, But I have to shout out everybody in Pittsburgh. We gave out the Founders Award last night to Herschel Walker, and uh, he gave a rousing speech. The St. Barnabas Association was first class all the way. A lot of laughs, a couple of drinks. I got to be honest, I kept it presentable. The best thing that ever happened to me is people coming up to me on the street And saying like, oh, hey, I see you on TV because it's a constant reminder that I can't be like, you know, the old me. I got to act sane and coherent. I've got to act like I'm on top of things because I'm a Fox News radio host. It's not like I'm the president of the United States or anything. Biden's lost his marbles. We got to start right then and there. Serious. I'm in a great mood. It's good Friday. Dave Landau is going to be here. Tommy Lahren is in the house. But uh, the Biden clip that was making the rounds on the Internet last night while I was saluting the great Herschel Walker is cause for concern. Okay, and this is not a new conversation anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world. You know, you don't hear a lot about it in the media in terms of, you know, Biden's gaffes or him shaking hands with invisible people or getting cut off by the Easter Bunny when he starts to talk to real ones. This is a guy that once fell three times on the way up the stairs to Air Force One. Have you ever had a checkup? A lot of people asked the president that question. And yesterday was just the latest in a long litany of verbal, I don't know what you'd call, I don't want to call them gaffes, because I don't know that this is a mistake. You know, a mistake would imply that, you know, he was just wrong, when in truth, I don't think... This guy is in charge. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, so you, <laughs> you hear something like that or, you know, other clips I've played you through the years. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know, the, you know, the thing, you know, that's not a mistake. That's a guy whose brain just legitimately quit working. And I don't get any joy out of this, okay? It's a really disturbing thing to watch if you have a relative who has been in a state of cognitive decline. It's, it's upsetting. It's concerning. 
You know, your heart goes out to them. It's it's frustrating. You know, but the difference between my elderly relative or your elderly relative and Joe Biden is that they're not being asked to lead the free world. Joe Biden is, and everybody watching him pretty much feels the same way at this point. We have a president that is clearly not all there. I don't know if it was like a prankster, some kind of a sick joke. But yesterday, while Biden was speaking and I was honoring Herschel Walker, someone decided to put the word kleptocracy into the teleprompter. That can't be good. No, it was not good. Take it away, Mr. President. This is clip 19. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their, take their, their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Kleptocracy and clep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Like, yo, first of all, it's really cruel to send kleptocracy into the huddle. Like, yo, who is writing these speeches? We already know. Joe Biden is the only human being you know who quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's done. Okay, this dude is sending in the punt time on second down. And in any other generation, you take his car keys. But in this one, we were like, here's the nuclear code, sir. <laughs> it's psychotic. But I'm so fascinated because the media who really lost it, if you remember when Donald Trump gave a speech at West Point, he walked gingerly down a ramp afterwards, wet ramp, He kind of shuffled his feet, and the media were like, oh, he's got Alzheimer's. Run a test. Get him out of there. 25th Amendment. This ain't good. But Joe Biden comes out, invents words, can't get through words, gives up on sentences. Not a word from the same people who attacked Trump for a lot less. The media is a bunch of losers. And understand, I'm not running a Donald Trump radio defense fund. I'm not here to avenge Trump. I'm here to explain how this is a, you know, patent dereliction of duty by the media because their job is to hold people in power accountable. And we've got a guy in power that is not being subjected to legitimate scrutiny. Whether we're talking about the Hunter Biden story that we're going to get to, which is very indicative of not only him selling access to our government, But Biden knowing all about it, I mean, understand, Biden lied when he said it was Russian disinformation. We know that to be true now. Okay, it's been verified. Post-election, pre-election, it's been verified up and down and sideways. It's a Dr. Seuss book. This laptop has been verified on a boat, on a goat, on a train, on a plane, providing it was wearing a mask. Uh, But the point is, we knew it was real. We knew it was real before the election because DNI John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence, said it's real. FBI said it was real. But the big tech oligarchs at the time squashed the story. Very much might have swung the election. But the point is when Biden said, this was Russian disinformation. How dare you ask me? He was lying. That's true. That is true. Okay. And when Biden said, oh, I never met with my son's business partners at the White House. 
dude, we now have dozens of visits by collective business partners at the White House. That's true. That is true. So you understand the only other question pertaining to the Hunter Biden scandal is whether or not Biden made money off the deal. Are you the big man, Joe? Okay, bottom line is I have a really hard time believing that the guy who lied about the legitimacy of the laptop, the guy who lied about meeting with his son's business partners, was suddenly telling the truth when it came to whether or not he made money. No, he's lying about everything else. But he's telling the truth about this one is what I'm saying. You got to understand. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. So, you know, the media should have kicked the tires on that during the election. They didn't. We know why. At this point, it's cliche to point it out. But when it comes to this man's cognitive state, okay, this is a cause for concern for everybody because world leaders are not taking their cues from what our media reports, meaning, you know, MSNBC, they might not do a segment. CNN might not do a segment on Joe Biden's mental health. CNN is the worst. They really are. I'm going to go out on a limb and say CNN Plus definitely won't do a segment on Joe Biden's mental health. <laughs> But the point is, world leaders still see it and form their own opinion. So when Biden gets out there and says this, can you play it again, Josh? It's clip 19. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package of, uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take their take their their ill-begotten gains. <laughs> We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Kleptocracy. And klep- the guys who are the kleptocracies. <laughs> but these are bad guys. I've lost my marbles. I mean, man. World leaders watch that. And they form an opinion. They don't wait for MSNBC to tell them what to think about Joe Biden. You know, they don't wait for those creeps again over at CNN. CNN's a bunch of perverts. Yeah, they really are. You're talking about people not to buy a used laptop from. I'd say Hunter's one. I'd say CNN's a close second. You got some dicey producers over there. But the point is, you've got a president in an advanced state of cognitive decline. It's a bad situation for all of us. This is not a Republican moment. This is not Republicans pounce. Woo! It's not what we're doing here. Okay, I'm a guy, and I've told you this before, that I will root for whoever our president is. Trump could be Biden, could be Kanye. Dude, we get out of bed, and I am rooting for the president, even if it's Kamala Harris. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 But the point is, I would, because as she goes, we go. This is how it works. Let me explain it to you really simple, okay? Growing up as a Yankee fan, okay, this is all we knew is the Yankees. I grew up in one of those intellectually stunted houses where, you know, the men, we could only communicate our enthusiasm or our lack thereof through sports metaphors. You know, be like, uh, was it a good mood? 
You know, say something good about the Yankees are the best. You know, I was in a bad mood. My dad grounded me or whatever. I'd be like, the Yankees suck. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're in a fight. Screw you and Steve Balboni. Dave Winfield's overrated, Dad. Fine, I'll go to my room. That's what I grew up in. You know, because the Yankees were everything we had. When something happened good. First time I kissed a girl, I came home. I was like, Yankees rule. That was three days ago. You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. But the point is, okay, we were rooting for the Yankees. Day in, day out, didn't matter. And our biggest rivals growing up were the Boston Red Sox. One of the most hated pitchers on the Boston Red Sox was Roger Clemens. Probably the most hated player, position player, was Wade Boggs. He was a third baseman. And one day I woke up living in a world where both Roger Clemens and Wade Boggs were no longer Red Sox. They were New York Yankees. Now, I wasn't going to stop rooting for the Yankees, the vessel through which I communicated with my family, with the important people in my life. The only thing I had knew and was passionate about through most of my childhood outside of like Cinnabons, you know, I like the Cinnabons, like Fox has a guy following me around to make sure I don't eat too much between TV hits. Put that cookie down now. Oh, he's made it to D.C. But the point is, I wasn't going to stop rooting for the Yankees just because they acquired a bunch of players I didn't like. Okay, same goes for America. I don't like every president we elect. You know, I wasn't a huge fan, if we're going to be honest, of Barack Obama. I didn't think he had any record at all when we voted him into office. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But the point is, I rooted for the guy. Just the same as, uh, listen, I wasn't a huge Trump guy. When Trump announced his candidacy, I was on Kennedy's panel with Kaylee McEnany, who was a Ted Cruz surrogate at the time. And I'll never forget, we said on TV that night, oh, we better lap this up. This is going to be the funniest week in the history of politics. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Really, though, because, man, were we wrong about that one. But the point is, if Hillary would have won, okay, no matter who won, I was going to root. If Kanye won in 2020, and I still think he should have, I would have rooted for him. Just the same as I root for Joe Biden. I don't like the radical expansion of our government. I hate every one of his policies. But I don't actually want this guy to fail on the magnitude that he's failing. Inflation's at a 40-year high. The border's out of control. Crime, we're at a 32-year high in murder. Nobody can afford a gallon of gas. And we've got a guy in office who quits talking in the middle of a sentence. And when he does finish it, it's not always using a real word. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. And the point is, as a guy who roots for America like he roots for the Yankees, I'm starting to think we need to take in the uh, team doctor and start examining the players because this guy that we've left behind the wheel isn't really in a state to drive this thing. Introducing the Amazon Biden, the home assistant that refuses to take questions. Biden, can you tell me when your next press conference is? Absolutely not. And unlike the Alexa, the Biden won't share location data. Biden, where is Hunter? Come on, let's get real here. You won't have to worry about your kids plagiarizing schoolwork because the Biden doesn't retain information. Biden, what year did we kill Osama bin Laden? 
I don't remember that ever happening. It may look like a cheap knockoff that breaks down a lot, but the Biden is doing work you can count on. A three-letter word, jobs, J-O-B-S. The Amazon Biden, selling out fast in Ukraine and China. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon, broadcasting live from the swamp, we're down in D.C. today. It's a big Friday. I uh, just got off the telly with the great Harris Faulkner. I will be down here hosting tomorrow uh, the big Saturday show and the big Sunday show on Fox News. And I will, of course, be appearing tomorrow night with Lawrence Jones on Fox uh, Cross Lawrence Jones Cross Country. That's assuming they can get me away from the open bar at the White House Correspondence Dinner. That one could end bad. Uh, I am not, of course, expected to speak at that dinner. But Joe Biden is. Uh, and we were talking about him. Uh, earlier, and, and as it pertains to his cognitive state, but in general, okay, the state of affairs, whether we're talking about, you know, Biden's elevator not going all the way to the top floor or Biden just having no handle on reality. Yesterday, we received news that GDP shrunk, uh, it shrunk by 1.4%. So we, we shrunk by 1.4%. Joe Biden tried convincing reporters that, well, it's, you know, the reason it shrunk is because the economy is growing so fast. You're not telling me the truth. Wait, what? No, no, you don't understand. It's, it's, we're growing so much it could slow things down. Okay, by, this is fascinating. Listen to this clip. It's clip 21. I think we're, what you're seeing is enormous growth in the country that was affected by everything from COVID and the COVID blockages that we occurred along the way. Now, we're, you always have to be uh, take a look, and no, no one is predicting a recession now. They're predicting, they're, some are predicting there may be a recession in 2023. Biden sucks. Man, a lot of people feel that way. Some are predicting a recession in 2023. Yo, inflation is higher than wage growth, number one. So if, you know, with or without a recession, you're already losing money. We're already trending in the wrong direction. But when you see GDP shrinking, what you got to understand is this guy inherited an economy that had been shut down. And all you had to do was get the hell out of the way and let the economic engine of capitalism roar. But he decided to do what? Let people in Washington, D.C., let the bureaucracy, let the government do the heavy lifting. Government is not the solution to our problem. Government. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton Withrow. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. It is Fox Across America with your main man, Jimmy Fallon. Big Friday episode of the show, Diamond Dave Landau. 
nationally touring comedian, back on planes without a mask. It's actually a win for the good guys, but they're still challenging this on a DOJ level. So it could go the other way. The golden age of commercial <laughs> coach class fistfights is not entirely in our rearview mirror yet. We don't know if that will yet turn around. Uh, but the big battle in D.C. right now is over disinformation. This is what I was talking to Harris Faulkner about a little bit earlier. When the Democrats yell disinformation, when they say we're fighting disinformation, that's what's going on here. We're fighting disinformation. They make that claim as a means of spreading disinformation. Bingo. OK, remember in the run up to the election, what was the Hunter Biden laptop story? You can't share that. It's disinformation. Come on, man. We can't have you running around with that disinformation. We're just looking out for the public. So we're going to deny you your right to share this story because that Hunter Biden laptop story, that is Russian disinformation. Democrats are so full of crap. That's what they ran with. And you understand it obviously turned out to be true. It's no different than, you know, COVID originating in a Wuhan lab or vaccinated people getting and spreading COVID or, oh, I don't know, when the Russia collusion narrative came unwound. The people who told you it was true every day for three years just moved on to combat other forms of disinformation. You see, the Democrats, they're really good at labels, you know, like Antifa, anti-fascism. That's what they're called, Antifa. We're anti-fascism, which is why we show up to college campuses and beat people up to silence their speeches. You know, the very definition of fascism. Uh, this is what they're doing with this disinformation campaign, because it needs to be said that the Democrats consider disinformation to be anything that hurts their narrative. That's what disinformation, that's what constitutes di- disinformation on the Democratic side of town. Oh, is this a problem for us politically? Call it disinformation. He knows what he's talking about. we got to look out for people. But understand, okay, the woman that Joe Biden has just made the head of this new disinformation governance board was out there, chapter in verse, calling Hunter Biden disinformation. She has spoken at great length about this. She's even sang a song on TikTok that's patently horrifying that I'll play for you here in a second. But here she is back on April the 16th, okay, talking about, well, if Elon Musk takes over Twitter and we have free speech, that's no good. Okay, but understand this whole country, freedom of speech, the First Amendment, it's the First Amendment. It's one of the most important right you have in this country is to be able to communicate honestly or even dishonestly for that matter. Like the Democrats are lying right now. But I believe the answer to bad speech, I believe the answer to hate speech is more speech, is accurate speech. The marketplace of ideas ultimately sorts it out, prioritizes accuracy. But understand, they don't want free speech. They're all for free speech if they agree with it. If they don't agree with it, they're like, oh, hell no. Can't be saying that out here. Here's Nina Jankowicz. She is the head of the Disinformation Governance Board. Here's a clip of her saying she doesn't think free speech absolutionists should be taken over platforms. It's clip 14. I shudder to think about if free speech absolutists were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities all around the world, which are already shouldering so much of this abuse, disproportionate amounts of this abuse. Oh, you heard that there? She's worried about the marginalized communities around the world. That's what's going on. Come on, man. Not even close. Whenever you hear the Democrats 
saying, oh, what this issue is really about. It's not, it's not about our political power. No. It's just we're concerned with the marginalized communities that are suffering so many indignities because of free speech, you see. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. And that's what she's doing there. Okay. Ah, oh, we got to protect the marginalized communities. Yo, let me tell you something. We're going to cover this at great length in a little while. Biden and the Democratic Party as a whole are hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging support in the black community and the Latino community. And the reason being is because they offer them no deliverable beyond a straw man argument. Straw man argument being it's a white supremacist nation and we have nothing to do with it. So vote for us. That's that's the deliverable. Hey, we'll protect you against the deadly white supremacist insurgency like January 6th. Never mind that the only person killed and one person is too many was an unarmed Trump supporter and race had nothing to do with it. They were there because they didn't trust the results of the election. They weren't there because of Joe Biden's race or Kamala Harris's mixed ethnicity. That's not why they were there. Okay, but understand they tried to retrofit January 6th as some type of referendum on white supremacy because they were looking to consolidate the black vote even more. Hey, whoa, racism. But you understand black voters, Latino voters are fleeing this party because they didn't ask. This is not what they asked for. What they asked for is a level playing field in society. The right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Give us the same fair shake everybody else has. This is America. Everybody can make their own way. We just want a fair fight. Okay, they didn't ask for white liberals to get offended on behalf of them at every turn. Okay, it's very patronizing when you've got white liberals being like, oh, you can't have voter ID. That's racist. Black people can't get an ID. You know, you talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations. They infantilize black voters. Not all they can't. They can't do the things we do. You know, they're just they're just black people. That's the attitude out of the Democratic Party. They infantilize black voters. You know, uh, Joe Biden has it in his head. Do you remember the famous gas? Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. Poor kids are just as bright and just as talented as white kids. That's what he said, is if you're you're only poor, if you're non-white, there's no poor white people out there. Hello? Come on, man. But this is what we're dealing with. That is their condescending attitude towards minority voters. And they, you know, they kind of weaponize that condescension as a means of saying, well, we got to look out for them. They can't fend for themselves. And people are tired of getting that little pat on the head from the Democratic Party. Like, oh, look at Lou. Oh, you. You need the Democrats to stick up for you because you can't get an ID on your own. Like, could you imagine being talked to, you know, to like that? That's what they're doing. And here she is telling you the right. They deal in misinformation and emotional rhetoric. This was her in November of 2020. Again, this is the woman in charge of disinformation governance. This is clip 15. Most of the disinformation that we've seen, this highly emotionally manipulative content, is coming from the right. If you look at the top 10, you know, most engaged with posts on Facebook or Twitter on a given day, uh, they are usually posts that are coming from the right. And that's because the right does deal in this highly emotional rhetoric. You're a bald-faced liar. A liar. The right. The right deals in this highly emotional rhetoric says the party who tells us we're all going to die in 10 years if we don't fix climate change. And the party that tells us, you know, 
the cops are just out there indiscriminately killing black people for no reason. For the, for the party that tells us Florida is trying to ban gay people, even though it's not even in the bill. If you want to talk about disinformation, you want to talk about emotional rhetoric. Okay, it's all they have, man. And when they, you hear them saying something like, well, ho, oh, we need a disinformation bureau again and again and again. They only want a disinformation bureau so they can spread more disinformation. Correct mundo. Okay, but talking about disinformation, talking about misinformation. Okay, perhaps the greatest piece of disinformation or misinformation is that the Biden administration told us that Nina Jankowitz was a sane woman <laughs> who was fit to live in polite society. Listen to this TikTok song, and I'm just telling you now to brace yourself. This is the woman, Nina Jankowitz, who is in charge of the brand, the newly appointed Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board. She is so excited about the post, she is bursting into song. It is clip 16. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared that intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo, and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh, that was embarrassing. Yo, that is the Democratic Party's head of disinformation. They're crazy. They're completely insane. Like, she's a crazy person. I say this all the time. We're living in the death of shame. I said that on Tucker Carlson's show the other night. We're living in the death of shame. People are willing to go out in front of a camera. They're willing to go out in front of a microphone and subject themselves to any indignity, any indignity at all, if it'll help their party get their way. It's no different than, you know, somebody tests positive for COVID and they post on Twitter, thank God I'm vaxxed and boosted. Hey, I just got the COVID, and I just want to thank God I'm vaccine boosted. I want to encourage you to get vaccine boosted. Yo, you're advertising the vaccine by telling people it didn't work. <laughs> hey, Jenny and I are expecting a baby, but thank God we wore a condom. Oh, we would have been a lot more pregnant than she is. I mean, we could have had seven, eight, nine kids. Thank God that condom worked. I mean, this is what we're talking about here. It's insanity. And I'm not going on an anti-vax screed. I'm vaccinated. But the vaccine doesn't work by the traditional definition of a vaccine, which is to protect you from ever contracting the virus. Okay, when you talk about disinformation, is there a bigger piece of disinformation in the last two years than people getting kicked off of Twitter for saying vaccinated people get and spread COVID? We were told, no, no, that's not true. Not only is it not true, you should be banned from polite society. we got to cancel Joe Rogan for asking these questions. These are breakthrough cases. You know, we all know with the measles vaccine, the polio vaccine, we all know we had 10 million breakthrough cases a month. That was common all the time. Except it wasn't common all the time. Okay, this vaccine very well may help you on the back end if you get COVID. But the point is it doesn't stop you from getting COVID. But we were told that saying that was harmful disinformation. Here's Rachel Maddow's, one of the greatest clips ever. It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were. 
right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way, now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed. Really think about that. The vaccine, the vaccine will get us to the end of this. That is a fact check false. It's just that's just not the case, man. And I'm not anti-vax. I'm vaccinated. But they lied. That was disinformation. The people spreading the disinformation are the ones purporting to care about spreading the spread of it. Are you wrapping your mind around this? Like, it hurts my brain. Like, I feel for you as a radio listener. I mean, I always feel for you if you got to put up with my nonsense. But to actually have to wrap your head around the insanity that is this information board. And it's the reason that Biden administration is as unpopular as it is, is they just they don't have any self-awareness. They don't realize how insane this looks to objective observers. Okay, the fact that Biden is polling at 31 percent with independents, that's the tell. It's not that Republicans don't like him because, of course, they don't like him. Republicans are never on board with this radical expansion of government, especially not when it's going to cost us all so much more money in taxes. Thanks, big government weaknesses. Not to mention all the inflation we're already paying, which is a hidden tax on everybody's income. We're never in favor of this stuff. Okay, so we're naturally going to have a low opinion of a president who's pushing such a far left ideology. But when you look at the independent voters, the people who actually swing elections, okay, they have Biden at 30 percent because they're watching as objective observers and they're seeing one absurdity after the other. Okay, when you're talking about disinformation, here's Jim Jordan. He actually questioned Alejandro Mayorkas, Secretary Mayorkas, yesterday on Capitol Hill about the disinformation governance board. I think this is great. This is clip 17. When the head of the CDC, Ms. Walensky, said that the vaccinated can't get the virus, did that undermine trust in government? Dr. Fauci, when he said the virus didn't come from a lab, did that undermine trust in government? How about when 51 former intel officials told us that the Hunter Biden story was had all the earmarks of Russian misinformation? Will that be something that this governance board that you just formed, will you be looking into that? Uh, Congressman, um, the disinformation board uh, addresses a disinformation that imperils the safety um, uh, and security uh, of our homeland. And one of the primary areas that we are focused on is the dissemination of disinformation and its potential. Okay, they're focused on the dissemination of disinformation and its potential. Get him out of here. Get him out. And what is this reaction to, again, but the fact that they see their ability to stifle political debate washing back out to sea? Like free speech is on its way back in certain corners of the Internet. And the Democrats are horrified about that. None more horrified than Elizabeth Warren. Here she is, clip 18. I see that we need to make two big changes. The first one is we need a wealth tax in America. We need rules of the road for big tech. But ultimately, what all this boils down to is power. Who's going to have the power in our country? Are we going to make these decisions as a democracy? Or is this going to be Elon Musk all by himself, off in a room, a bazillionaire who just plays by his own set of rules? That's really what's at stake here. Get her out. Get her out of here. 
I mean, what a pandering jackass. Well, we can't have bazillionaires running things. Really? So are you calling for, I don't know, Jeff Bezos to vacate the Washington Post? That left-wing rag that takes the Democratic side on every single issue? I mean, listen, I don't mean to disparage the Washington Post, because if you have a litter box at home and you need to line it, there you go. Uh, But give me a break, Elizabeth Warren. Where was this concern for billionaires getting involved when Mark Zuckerberg was spending $520 million in our last election? Oh, I get it. It's because they were spending to help Democrats. Okay, when Elizabeth Warren, who's a jackass and a fraud. Okay, but when you hear her saying, oh, this isn't about power. This is about right and wrong. She's technically telling you the truth because she thinks it's the Democratic Party's right to stifle political debate by declaring everything the Republicans say as wrong. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. Call and speak to Jimmy now. I'm trying to use that phone. 888-788-9910. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up to get on the road again next week. I'm down in D.C. right now. I'm going to be at the White House Correspondents' Dinner this weekend getting rad. And I will be tiptoeing out tomorrow night at 10 mid-dinner to do the Lawrence Jones cross-country show uh, while I'm down here. But next week, we're in Tampa, baby. If you're listening on HBO down there, uh, WHBO, uh, me, Mike Advensky, the producer, we're going to be in the house. uh, And we'll be at the Tampa Improv next Thursday night, May the 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo. Come get nuts. Tickets available at ImprovTampa.com. You'll never feel better about your own drinking than by hanging out with radio people. Good goodness, they're all a mess. We'll be back in the next hour with Tommy Laren to do the damn thing. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. We are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting today from Fox News headquarters in Washington, D.C. Your main man, Jimmy Fallon, down in the swamp. For a big episode of Fox Across America, busy hour coming up. Tommy Laren, Fox Nation multimedia superstar. She's going to be joining us as well as Diamond Dave Landau, one of my favorite comedians on the planet, living in a world that could have this old-fashioned thing called free speech again. Do you remember free speech? Do you remember growing up with, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me? That's, That's what we were taught as kids. But we've really changed our perception in the world to, to equate speech as violence. You know, you can't say the bad stuff. That's violence. But we don't care about actual violence. A good example of that is the Oscars. Will Smith got a standing ovation after he smacked Chris Rock because Chris Rock committed violence. He made fun of his wife. Will Smith, you know, just smacking him is just standing up to the bad man, apparently. And he got a standing O and a trophy to go with it. Uh, his career certainly on hold right now. Uh, but the bottom line is... In this moment on a Friday, as a guy who makes his living saying stupid things, uh, I am bullish on the future in this country because Elon Musk is buying Twitter. And again, Elon Musk is tweeting way too much. I think he's really enjoying this attention. But he's I'm hearing enough about, you know, we'll buy cocaine. We're going to we're going to buy Coca-Cola, put the cocaine back in the recipe. A lot of, you know, stupid, jokey things like that. But I don't really care about his joke writing ability, nor do I care about, you know, 
any of these stupid, weird, attention-seeking things he has done. What I care about is our ability as a country to behave like the country we were founded on, you know, one where we actually did have a First Amendment that gave you freedom of speech, one where we just had plain old freedom. Freedom! Okay, we lost so much freedom during the pandemic because they put the bureaucratic boot on the neck of small businesses, on schools, on everybody. You know, you couldn't go to church. You couldn't go anywhere. Like, no, no, you understand. We got this pandemic. And here we are all these years later. And we've been told what? That the people who locked down did a lot worse, did a lot worse than the people who actually remained open. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. When you look at the grades on COVID, no state did better than Florida. What did Florida do? They kept everything wide open. And the Democrats were like, DeSantis, he's trying to get people killed is what it is. You can't handle the truth. No, he just recognized that. The government is not supposed to be the be-all, end-all to everything in our lives. Get the hell out of the way. That's why we fought a revolutionary war. We didn't want more government. We wanted less. Okay, and that's why the aftermath of this pandemic, as we look at the analysis, you go, well, it seems like the red states that stayed open did a lot better. And uh, no one's having that conversation with you. This is my biggest frustration is in their ability to control speech. They were able to spend the entirety of the pandemic saying anybody who disagreed with the narrative of the day was a monster, should be deplatformed. We can't have you around. You're going to get people killed as if you didn't have the right to question people who changed their opinion every other day. I mean, right now we still have a federal vaccine mandate, you know, for large employers. And here's what the guy who, you know recommended the mandate, was saying about mandates a month before he passed them. Another question from another student. Would you support a nationwide mandate of the COVID vaccine once it comes out? No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. We don't want to be mandating from the federal government to the general population. It would be unenforceable and not appropriate. Fauci's just pulling stuff out of his butt. No question. Okay, but they wanted you to believe, like, how dare you question a guy who's changed his position on everything? I've played you the Fauci mask montage a thousand times. Here's a second of it. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Masks are protective. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. This is politics as usual. That's all it is. The science never changed as much as the political science. Never, ever, 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 ever. So when the people were asking those legitimate questions, like, hey, how come you said no mandates yesterday and today we have a mandate? Hey, how come you said no masks yesterday, but today we have a mask? How come you said if we get vaccinated, we have to wear a mask, but now that enough people complained, we don't have to wear a mask? But now the mask is back. You know, it's changed so many times. And we were told, well, you know, you're only questioning this because you want people to die. You must be trying to get people killed. That's the same justification over and over and over again. That's why we had such an entertaining week in media meltdowns. You know, people on the left screaming and yelling. The same people who told you for four years that Twitter didn't favor the Democratic Party. No, Twitter doesn't favor us. What are you talking about? Hey, by the way, Twitter's changing management. What are you nuts? We're all going to die. I mean, again, for people who say Twitter didn't favor them, 
They seem awfully concerned about the fact that Twitter is changing hands. That's true. That is true. And we know why. I've said this a lot, you know, to the point of exhaustion. Democrats got really lazy because they were able to make things go away. The Hunter Biden laptop story, talked about it with Harris Faulkner earlier, and we're going to talk about it for a minute here, is something they were able to make go away when it was inconvenient in the run-up to the election. And they were able to do that, which is kind of fascinating, using the same former members of the intelligence community who told us that Donald Trump was a Russian asset controlled by Vladimir Putin, those same intel officials who gaslit the country on the Russian collusion narrative for two and a half years, got it completely wrong. Same intelligence community that told you Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. Got it completely wrong. Okay, but we took their word in the run-up to the election, the former members of the intel community, over the current director of national intelligence. That's not right. But understand, this really wasn't an, a situation where they thought about this and were like, uh, well, uh, who should we believe? It wasn't about believing. It wasn't about getting to the truth. It was about making the story go away. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. The problem is the records didn't go away and the story's continuing to grow because we've got more and more evidence that Joe Biden was a lot more involved with his kids' business dealings than he had let on. Okay, straight up. Okay, there's no way around it. You understand, this started with Biden saying what? That's Russian disinformation. Shut your mouth. And everybody was like, well, it's, it's Russian disinformation. We're not going to run this story. And then, of course, the minute the election was over, all the, all the places that passed on it, the New York Times, the Washington Post, they were like, yeah, it turns out it's true. That's why I don't read the newspaper. Because it's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. Okay, understand what went on? That was election interference. OK, if 15 percent of Biden voters say they would have changed their vote if they knew the Hunter Biden laptop story, you're talking about 13 million votes in an election that was decided by 50,000 votes. That was a game changing pass interference penalty that should have been called. And it wasn't called. And it's why we have this idiot running the country right now. I take no joy in saying that Joe Biden is a terrible president. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Maybe so. OK, but they might jump over his first if we get a legitimate, uh, you know, investigation anyway into Hunter Biden's business dealings, because the truth is, OK, every position Biden has taken on this has unraveled. It started out with Russian disinformation. We know that's not true. Then it was, well, I never met my kids business partners. We know that's not true. We've got pictures of them meeting in Cafe Milano right here in Washington, D.C. We've got a trove of emails. Saying, hey, you know, Hunter, thanks for introducing me to your dad yesterday. That was great. Okay, now we've got these White House visitor logs that show us multiple visits, dozens of visits to the White House by Hunter Biden's business partners at a time when Joe Biden was the white, was the vice president of the United States. Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president for eight years. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did happen. And the other thing that happened was... A, it was like a, you know, a turnstile, nonstop visits to the White House by people Hunter was doing business with. It has all of the makings of someone selling access to the government. Because understand, here's the issue. Hunter Biden doesn't get that money if his dad's not the vice president. Tell him like it is. There's no power company sitting around going, hey, we, you know, we got to boost business here. Uh, sales are a little slow last quarter. Can anybody get a crackhead on the phone who was thrown out of the Chateau Marmont for making— too much of a commotion with the drugs and the hookers. That, that would help the board. 
You know, if we could just find one of those guys on the other side of the world. You understand, Hunter Biden's on the board of a Ukrainian power company, despite the fact that he knows about as much about electricity as Amish people do, which is to say not a lot. Okay, but they threw him on that board anyway because his dad was the vice president at a time when they were trying to negotiate a power deal with the United States of America. By definition, that should be setting off red flags everywhere. And the biggest problem Biden's having in this moment with those who are demonstrating some intellectual curiosity and maybe with, you know, the actual investigation into Hunter Biden's finances is the fact that he has told monumental lies at the first two of three critical junctions. First junction, is this real? Biden goes, hell no. Come on, man. That's what he said. Come on, Come on man. That's what he said. But then the people who reviewed the documents were Come like, "Come on, man, it's real. So at junction number one, he lied about whether or not it was real. Junction number two is, well, did you know anything about this business? No, I never met my son's business partners. That didn't go on. Never met him. You're a liar. Okay, that's junction number two. We know he was lying. Okay, junction number three is, hey, did you make any money off this stuff? Hell no. First of all, it was Russia disinformation. Second of all, I didn't know anything about it. So how could I have made money about it? You told some of the biggest lies that I've ever heard of in my whole life. Really starting to look that way, man. Okay, and if this was a media that was demonstrating any intellectual curiosity at all. I mean, this is the story of the century for them. You know, when you really think about what's at stake here, there's no bigger corruption risk than the junkie son of a president, somebody who's banging his brother's widow, guy knocked up a stripper. Yes, I've read about that in the Bible. But the point is, by definition, a walking, talking corruption risk. And they knew this. Biden was paying Hunter's bills at times. Okay, but where to believe he didn't, he didn't ask what for. You know, Hunter flew on Air Force Two to China. I've said this before. Nobody alive ever borrowed the car from their dad without at least being asked where they were going with the car. But you want me to believe, Joe Biden wants you to believe, Hunter Biden got Air Force Two. And his dad never once said like, hey, what are you doing on Air Force Two? Why do you do things like that? You're like a crazy person. No, nah, with a straight face. They're like, no, no, you know, you know how it is. Sometimes you just lend the kid Air Force too. He flies it to China and back. You don't really, you know, you don't really give it a lot of thought. I mean, folks, they're insulting your intelligence, but it can only go so far because there is an investigation going on. Uh, Merrick Garland doesn't really want to talk about it. Let me give you that clip. It's clip twenty-six. First, have you been briefed on the Hunter Biden investigation matter yourself, General Garland? So the um, Hunter Biden investigation, as I said, even in my own nomination uh, um, confirmation hearing, is being run by and supervised by the United States Attorney for the District of Delaware. Are any senior officials in your department being briefed or... Uh, Again, um, uh, he, he is the supervisor of this investigation. You know, the normal processes of the department occur, but he is the supervisor... I mean, come on, man. This is Merrick Garland. Ah, well, you know, the thing is, uh, he, ha, hmm. It's your attorney general. He sounds like a kid who came home stoned and didn't expect his parents to be awake. <laughs> oh, ha, hey, ha. What are you guys up to? Uh, <laughs> it's like it's a mess. And here is Jen Psaki, who is also finding herself in a precarious position, because if you remember, Jen Psaki tweeted before the election, the Russian 
Hunter Biden laptop story is Russian disinformation. Lying your ass off. We know that to be a lie. But post-election, when everybody, you know, authenticated the laptop a second time, she said, well, Hunter Biden, he doesn't work for the government. He's of no interest. We're not going to talk about him. Saki sucks. Kaylee was so much better. A lot of people feel that way because she was lying. Here she is getting pressed again on Joe Biden's involvement, which is the reason Hunter is relevant. He's the president's son. He was raking in millions of dollars at the time this president was vice president. Okay, if a Trump kid rented Rocky Four and he fought Ivan Drago, they were like, oh, he's clearly in bed with Russia. Why is he renting a Rocky with the Russian fighter? But here's a guy actually getting money. Here's a guy's business partner saying he actually got money and withheld 10% for his dad. Here are pictures refuting every one of these lies. Here is Saki trying to kick save the puck out of the net yet again, clip 25. But real quick, I want to take another stab at a question I tried yesterday. You answered the first part of it. We've heard the president say over and over again that he has never spoken to his son about his business dealings. Has he ever spoken to his son's business partners about his son's business dealings? Again, nothing has changed about what I said yesterday. The president does not get involved in the business dealings of his son. Even through his son's business partners? Nothing has changed since what I said yesterday. I don't believe you answered that part of my question yesterday. He's not involved in his son's business dealings. That is a lie. All the evidence tells us. All the evidence tells us. No, it's uh, looking an awful lot like he was involved. Whether or not they used a shell operation, whether they funneled the money through his brother Jim Biden, well, the money went through Hunter. I don't know that Biden wanted Hunter to hold on to the money because that can be a little problematic. Hunter's a dirtbag. But you know who else is a dirtbag? Everybody else who's telling you that this isn't worth looking into. Because here's a newsflash. If the president is compromised, we're all compromised, man. Okay, and I don't have the answer. I don't know that he is. But I know where, you know, where they say like, oh, where there's smoke, there's fire. Well, in this instance, where there's smoke, it just could be Hunter with a crack pipe. But the point is, it's worth looking into. <laughs> And I'm going to continue to talk about it and beat this little drum because one way or the other, I hope to God the president isn't compromised. But I hope equally as hard that we get a legitimate answer on that because this guy has not governed for five minutes like America is his top priority. So if that's what it takes, as a former New York City cab driver who went to community college to keep banging this drum, by golly, we're going to keep banging this drum. You got some big testicles to pull this off, bro. It's America's number one radio lunch date. Get your hands out of my fries. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Buy your own damn fries. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up in the next break. Tommy Laren is going to be in the house. I don't know how we conjure into coming back on this show. A radio land of misfit toys, if ever there was one. Uh, No bigger misfit in this country right now. I want to play this clip of the president. I was talking about this with Harris Faulkner earlier. This is the kleptocracy clip. (laughs) This clip 19. In addition to this supplemental funding, I'm also sending to Congress a comprehensive package uh, that will enhance our underlying effort to accommodate the Russian oligarchs uh, and make sure we take take their, their ill begotten gains. We're going to accommodate them. We're going to seize their yachts, their luxury homes, and other ill-begotten gains of Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah, kleptocracy and the guys who are the kleptocracies. (laughs) But these are bad guys. 
I mean, folks. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. That's a lot to sit through, man. This guy running the country right now. This guy who has the nuclear codes. That's the guy the rest of the world is reacting to. You know what I mean? When they're issuing an assessment of us, they're looking at that guy. The clip to cut. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever see Apocalypse Now? Who's your commanding officer? Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad situation. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to fix it. We're going to save the country. We're bringing in some muscle here. We're bringing in a ringer, as the kids like to say. Tommy Laren, Fox News franchise QB, multimedia sensation, back in our studio in New York. We're going to have a grown-up chat next. And now, great moments in presidential history. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. I am am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fit, my physical as well as my mental fitness. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, That is your president again, uh, exhibiting the symptoms of a man whose elevator doesn't go all the way to the top floor. But joining us now is a person who could also be accused of losing her mind because she saw my New York radio studio and still stuck around for the interview. Tommy Lauren, joining us from New York. Hey, girl, how you living? Listen, I am in your your office, your studio right now, and uh, I'm amazed. It is it is an extravaganza. It's like Candyland threw up all over in here, but I'm enjoying it. I'm loving it. Some people get concerned, so I appreciate that because I've been told that that studio looks like the inside of a van that promised you candy. You know what I'm saying? It certainly and, uh, it certainly has those vibes, like you know the, <laughs> the 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 California vibes mixed with a little bit of you know a little hippie in here, a Toys R Us gone wild. It's great. <laughs> a Toys R Us, remember them? Remember Jeffrey the Giraffe? What happened to Jeffrey the Giraffe? By the way, did they they throw him out on a reservation? Oh, good God! He's got to be on no your desk to- somewhere. I'm just looking for him. I don't know. It might take me a while to find him, but I think I can find him. Oh, that's so funny. Tommy Laren's on the line. She showed up to do some radio and wound up at a yard sale. That's what it looks like. It looks like somebody's having a yard sale from the year 1992. Uh, But I appreciate you seeing this and sticking around anyway. um, I saw you on Outnumbered. Great show today. I wanted to ask you one thing. Um, In my opinion... Everybody who's saying, like, we're here to fight disinformation, isn't that kind of how they get away with spreading it? It's like Antifa. They say we're anti-fascist, but they're actually exhibiting fascist behavior. Isn't this kind of a ruse? Yeah, they're redefining terms again. So now censorship actually means freedom and defending democracy. So it just goes to show the liberals can redefine whatever they want because they referee their own rigged game. But Elon Musk came in and said, you know what, I'd like to be a referee in this game as well. And then they lost their freaking minds. You know, they didn't have a problem when Bezos bought up a lot of media. They don't have a problem when when their guys are the ones buying up everything. You know, of course, they love the Bill Gates of the world. But boy, Elon Musk comes in and says, you know what, I'm not a conservative but I just like freedom and they go oh boy this man must be stopped and now we need a a new board and a new czar to handle that a czar by the way who uh, has musical talents that are quite horrific if you guys haven't seen the video yet 
I actually played this. Hold on. Josh, would you be so kind? Tommy, I, I, I hate to do this to you, but it's a new hour. We played it in the last hour, and I hate to do this to anybody. There are laws against cruel and unusual punishment, but we should play this clip, and you and I can have our own version of American Idol. We'll, 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 uh, we can Simon Cowell this bad boy. Take it away, Josh. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. It's how you hide a little, hide a little lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo when we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh. Hold on, we've got a remark from Simon Cowell. That was absolutely dreadful. Like Tommy, anybody doing that? Forget sharing a government uh, a government board like that person doesn't sound like they belong in polite society. No. Well, it sounds to me like her and AOC could team up and do some really great things in reality television. And that would actually be a better path. So I'm thinking, you know, Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother, maybe Dancing with the Stars, (laughs) any other new concocted shows. But just please stay the heck away from anything that has to do with our free speech, our government, our institutions. Please just stay away from all of that because these people, I'm telling you, it looks like they spend a little bit too much time in your studio here, if, if I do say so myself. <laughs> Whoa! Shots fired! Tommy Laren is on the line. She's in New York. I'm down in the swamp of Washington, D.C. We're talking about the disinformation board in Washington. It's so funny that she herself, you know, getting past the musical talent or lack thereof, was somebody on the front lines of the Hunter thing. And this, I was going to ask you this. Do you think there's a world, like I know there's an investigation going on, but nobody really believes that Biden's own DOJ is going to let this investigation run its course. And I watched Merrick Garland's remarks, and he didn't strike me as a guy that was here to get to the bottom of this thing. But do you think there's a world, because Biden's so unpopular, Do you think there's a world where the media might actually start, uh, you know, reporting on this Hunter Biden story? Is it really just going to be you, me and the girls on Outnumbered? Listen, I think the Democrats are waiting for their opportunity to throw Joe under the bus. And this is a perfect way to do it because they can't throw him under the bus for his policies because those are their policies and their agenda. But the Hunter thing is an easy way for Democrats to get rid of Joe. So I think that we're all maybe going to be even in cahoots over this. But I'll tell you what, the Democrats have a big tactic now that they think that they're going to put Joe out on the road and see how that goes. Um, we know that Joe unravels. He shakes hands with the air. It's, it's, a, it's a dismal failure. So I think this is an opportunity for those who still believe in journalism and seeking the truth and reporting it to ask him this question as many times as possible because you ask him enough times he's going to either a freak out or b he's going to say something he wish he didn't or both (laughs) and then we're maybe going to get an answer on all of this uh the big guy himself might just unravel it all Wow, could you imagine? The kleptocracy could come crumbling down after all of that. Uh, It's it's fascinating. And and I've been watching this whole thing because when people, I mean, in general, when people lie about some of it, they're lying about all of it. Like he lied saying it was disinformation. He lied saying he didn't meet the business partners, which means odds are he's not telling the truth about the money, you know. And it would be fascinating to see them get to the bottom of this one way or the other. But I don't know. I, I really... I know there's a lot there, and I know if this was another president, we'd, we'd see a lot more intellectual curiosity than we're seeing, but I really don't know. But let me ask you this question, by the way. Uh, student loan debt and student loan forgiveness, 
Can you get behind this? Is there any world where you're buying this narrative that like, oh, it's just unfair to these kids? Because I feel like it's more unfair to the people who didn't go to college and have to pay for the kids who did. Oh, this angers me to no end. You know, I'm not that old. I'm only 29 years old. So I paid off my student loans myself because I went to college and I got a degree and I worked my butt off and I repaid them. Nobody swept in and paid them for me. And nobody's going to come back in and reimburse me for what I've already paid for. But I'll tell you what, these kids that go to college and they want to party for four or even five years, they want to go on fancy spring breaks. They want to have the fanciest clothes and shoes and AirPods and they want to TikTok all day and then they graduate with with a worthless degree and no marketable skills, kind of like Hunter, and then they want us to pay for that? No, excuse me. I I don't think so. And like I said earlier on Outnumbered and on Varney, this makes me so angry because these universities are chomping at the bit when they see the government wants to come in and forgive student loan debt because now they're thinking, boy, we can just crank up that tuition up maybe another five, six, seven grand a year and they won't even notice because, hey, guess what? Uncle Sam is going to forgive it. And by Uncle Sam, I mean the American taxpayer. We seem to be paying for a whole lot of things that we shouldn't be paying for lately. Yeah, it's, it's 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 infuriating because, like you said, the debt isn't forgiven. Like they use terms like student loan forgiveness as if the people who are expecting to get paid walk away without their money. That's not what's going on. The debt is not forgiven. Uh, it's just passed on to somebody else. The way I was explaining it yesterday, it's like imagine you get a receipt in the mail from Applebee's for a meal you didn't actually go to Applebee's and eat. Now, somebody else did, but we're forgiving the debt, so can you pay for the guy who went? That's what's going on, and it's bananas. And all I keep saying to people at home is, uh, you know, if you wanted to really address this issue, you don't take the accountability away from these kids. You do look into the fact that college is, like you said, charging so much money. Because a lot of these jobs, like, hey, if you're getting a gender studies degree, You've got one of two options for employment. You're either on the board at some woke corporation or you're making coffee like you are a barista. And shouldn't there be some type of requirement that if people are going to pay $600,000 for a degree, there exists a market for employment? Like it's like charging somebody $600,000 to go be like a ghost hunter. You know, there's not really that big of a market for that. You would think so, but I have actually a better solution than that. You know, these these administrators and these educators in academia, if you will, these professors, these tenured professors that are making so much money, you know, they tend to be liberal, of course, and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. Maybe we should uh, just go ahead and reimagine or reallocate their salaries into that student loan forgiveness. I wonder if they would be up for that because something tells me that they wouldn't be. But, you know, they're so socialist in the classroom, but if they had to give up, their salary, something tells me maybe they wouldn't be up for that one. But I think we should throw it out there. <laughs> Give it a go. We're talking to Tommy Laren. You know, and, and none of this stuff even affects me. I went to community college. Like, I didn't have student loans. I had to give some guy named Spider a bag of weed. You know, we were, we were playing Xbox in my classroom. It wasn't even a real classroom, but I get it. It affects the rest of the country, and it does. It drives me crazy. Uh, one other thing I have to throw at you, since you're, you're still in my studio. They basically locked you in. To be honest, you walked in, you saw it, and uh, tried to leave, and Josh put his foot in front of the door. Is that what's really going on? You know, I will say this about it. It, it smells better than it, it looks like it would smell. So that <laughs> Good for you. I will give you that. So that is what my takeaway from this studio. It looks like it would be like it looks like I look the studio looks because we keep changing it. It went from the inside of a van that promised you candy. You're saying on some level it looks like maybe a guy who lives at home in his 50s. 
Yeah, it's got, you know, it looks like it would have like a musty smell, but it doesn't. <laughs> so that is a win for well, you. And it's surprising, well, but in the best way possible. Well, thankfully, you know what it is. It's all the meth from my producer kind of drowns out the musky smell. So <laughs> thankfully, that's one, the one upside to Mikey's meth habit is uh, that the studio is a little bit more easily masked. Um, one other question. Title 42, Mayorkas, uh, you know, is bragging about the fact that we can process migrants now better than ever. I mean, I'd hope so because they've gotten enough practice doing it. But do they not? Do they not? I, this is my question. Okay. Do they not know how wildly unpopular and wide open border is or do they not care because they think the demographics down the road will help them if they import more potentially, you know, potential Latino voters or even, oh, I don't know, voters that are just more dependent on the government? Like, what would you assess their strategy as? That's exactly what's going on right now. They don't care that it's unpopular because they're really moving millions of people through that they believe are going to vote for them and likely probably will once they give them amnesty because they're forever indebted to the Democrats at that point. So I don't think they care that it's unpopular right now. Democrats always have the long game in mind, and I envy them for that. So they want to open the border, open the floodgates, if you will. But let's keep in mind, Jimmy, you know I'm from South Dakota. We have let more illegal immigrants come into our country in the last two years than double the size of of the population of my home state of South Dakota. We have less than a million people in South Dakota. We've let two million plus in already. Okay, we're adding new states every day. And that doesn't seem to be a red flag to some people. Uh, Where are we going to put these people? How are they going to pay for gas? Are we paying for that, too? I mean, might as well just throw it all in one big bundle and light it on fire and just hand it to the American taxpayer. Oh, it's crazy. Well, what's funny is, like, they're flying people to, like, New York in the dead of night. And, uh, you know, the people that are getting off planes and coming to New York City are confused. They're like, what do you mean? They flew me back to a third world nation? I thought I made it into the country. They don't They don't know the difference. New York is a mess, man. And uh, I'm, I, I'm sad that you're there without me because, you know, as a former New York City cab driver, there's a lot of things I could show you uh, in New York City, Tommy, maybe the next time you're in town. Uh, I don't know that you're going to take me up on this tour, though. I don't really hear a lot of enthusiasm about the underground taxi tour. I would love to do it. I think that would be great. It would be a great special we could do. We could take this gig out on the road, out on the streets, take it to the streets here in New York City. So, you know, I'm going to petition for that. I think that's a good idea. I'd love to see it. Oh, that's amazing. Well, we're going to go everywhere then because, you know, I drove a cab. I know everything about the city. The only thing I won't show you are the public schools because my producer isn't allowed within 500 feet of a school. But other than that, uh, you'll get a hell of a tour, Tommy Lahren. Um, I'm looking forward uh, to it. Well, this was a great hang as always. Help yourself to any toy on the desk and uh, just let me know when I see you what you took, okay? I'm going to see which one's maybe the most expensive, do a little quick assessment on eBay, (laughs) and I'll get back to you on any of these items that might uh, pay for someone's student loans. Who knows? So so apparently I'm going to need a new Millennium Falcon is what you're telling me. All right, duly noted. We'll go shopping. Uh, Great hang, Tommy. Enjoy your Friday. I'll see you soon, pal. Have a good one. Later. There she goes. There we go. Back after this. Common sense from a not-so-sensible man. It's the compassion. It's the, it's the dignity. It's the wisdom. It's the, it's the horse sense of the guy that gets you. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Comedy Alive. From Fox News headquarters in Washington, D.C. We are not in New York. We were in Pittsburgh last night at the St. Barnabas Foundation Founders Award, honoring the great Herschel Walker, Heisman Trophy winner from the great state of Georgia. Herschel Walker, of course, won 
a national title at Georgia when Jimmy Carter was in the White House. Of course, Georgia winning the national title again here 40 years later, and Jimmy Carter is back in the White House. Come on, man. Biden's such a mess. We were talking about it with Tommy. We're going to get into it with Dave Landau in the next hour as well. Dave Landau's nationally touring comedian, a uh, great friend of mine, and a guy who's excited at the possibility that, you know, people aren't going to lose their careers for telling jokes anymore. We got to a really bad place in this country where people were so much more concerned. You know, it's funny with like the comics joking about things than the people doing it. Me and Lando had a famous incident once where we're both parents and we were in an event making fun of Prince Andrew. Prince Andrew, the allegation being, was palling around with Jeffrey Epstein, which was, of course, uh, you know, Epstein, you know, had something called Orgy Island where you're not going to believe this, but a lot of prominent people, including Prince Andrew and, of course, Bill Clinton, were frequently flying to this place called Orgy Island, which was allegedly loaded with underage girls. And this is where Epstein and Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton were hanging out. I believe that together we can make America great again. Such a salesman. But we were joking at this event about Prince Andrew, and like someone got really mad at us. Like, how dare you joke about this? And we were like, yo, we're joking. We're the comics. You're madder at the people joking than the people doing and that's the real issue. That's that's where all of this language policing got us as we started to fight the wrong battles. So comics are pretty optimistic right now. And the reason we're optimistic is because we now know as a country who the censorship people are. They have a word for them. There's, you know, they're losers, you know. Nobody wants to be on the side of the outraged. Okay, because we just went through this this like vortex with social media where we were incentivizing outrage. People were getting notoriety. People were getting clout from getting offended. We incentivized offense. People were showing up to comedy events being like, well, I'm going to find a joke I don't like, yell and scream, probably go viral. The university will owe me some kind of public apology or promotion. I don't know. And that's what we did. That's why they protested Dave Chappelle's Netflix special. We wanted to burn Netflix down because, like, he's transphobic. Not if you watch the special. The special ended with him doing what? Setting up a scholarship fund for the children of a transgender comic. These are hardly the words and deeds of a transphobic man. I agree with that. Okay, but this is why the language police kind of took it too far. They eventually lost the room. Is In the beginning, people were really compliant with a lot of these outrage, you know, Whenever you'd hear like, ah, oh, Twitter's mad, they're calling a fire, somebody. A lot of people just played along because they didn't want to be on the wrong side of that mob and get fired themselves. And we created this massive divide between what people think and what they're willing to say. You know, there's never been a bigger gap than between what people believe and what they're willing to admit in public because of fear of retribution. But we've turned a corner now where nobody wants to placate these idiots that are always getting mad. And I think for that reason... Comics like Dave Landau are emboldened to get a little rowdier than usual because the wind's finally at their back. So you should probably stick around in the next hour because we're playing prison rules right here on the big bad one and only Fox Across America. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. 
Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting from Fox News headquarters in Washington, D.C. today. Big Friday episode of Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not losing support with black voters. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party going downhill fast. Oh, I'm in trouble. We're going to discuss it with Diamond Dave Landau, nationally touring comedian, damn good friend of the show. Uh, somebody who has been calling balls and strikes in public, you know, probably for 15 years professionally as a comic, but only recently ran into some serious headwinds as it pertains to the speech police. Well, the good news is, at least as it pertains to Twitter, uh, it sounds like we're getting some of that freedom of speech back. Yeah, well, those people you hear applauding, not Democrats. Uh, We're going to go inside the meltdown. The media meltdown over Elon Musk in this hour. And we're also going to talk about the Democratic hemorrhaging of Latino support. Uh, support that at one point was such a sure thing that a lot of prominent Democrats, including Joe Biden, felt like black voters didn't even have a choice. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. You know, that's how much the Democrats took the black vote for granted. No, no, you just you, you vote for Democrats. That's what you do. You, know, you vote for the Democrats because we call the other guys racist all day. But the God's honest truth is, you know, are the Democrats actually delivering anything for black voters? The answer would be no. No, the Democrats were the ones who pushed defund the police. What did the defund movement do? Okay, when you waged a rhetorical war on the cops, when you waged a financial war on their budgets, you ultimately saw higher spikes in crime. Why? Because the Democrats, in an election year ran with a narrative that the police are a bigger threat to the community than the criminals they're sworn to protect us against. That's stupid! Use your common sense! And they very much did this, okay? Make no mistake about it. You know, they try to tell you, no, no, we're not the party of defund the police. We never wanted to defund the police. Yes, I support the defund movement because this is about the the, um, investment in our communities, which have historically been divested. Not only do we need to defund, but we need to dismantle and start anew. Why use the word defund? Why use the word defund? And it's like, this is the word that's coming from the streets. You suck, you jackass. They wanted to defund the police. And the people who bore the brunt of this were the black community. And sadly, tragically, this is horrible. But this is what they do. Calling things racist for political gain never, ever, ever, ever results in gain on behalf of the people you purport to care about. That's not what this has to do. It's like, you know, voter ID laws. Oh, they're racist. How does it benefit a black American to call voter ID laws racist because we're supposedly supposed to believe black America is incapable of getting an ID? I mean, again, when you talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations, Joe Biden called voter ID laws Jim Crow on steroids. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. Think about that. This is Jim Crow on steroids. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Okay, but that's what he said, Jim Crow on steroids. If you don't support, you know. What the Democrats want to do, which is eliminate all the barriers to election integrity. You, you're Jim Crow on steroids. Jim Crow on steroids mean even stronger Jim Crow. Just for those of you who don't take steroids or follow the career of Barry Bonds. You know, Jim Crow, an era where people were denied the right to vote 
through physical violence, through poll taxes, grandfather clauses, literacy tests, you know, mobs, dogs, clubs, fires. That was Jim Crow, disgusting period in our history, a period that we fought to get through, you know, the civil rights movement with overwhelming support from who? White people, because white people, okay, wanted to live in an equal society, realized we were founded at a time of institutionalized slavery, meaning it was going on all across the world. That doesn't make it okay by any stretch of the imagination, nor do I want to minimize, you know, just how egregious slavery was. But the fact remains, Democrats want you to believe that America in 2022 is still somehow America in the year 1822. That is a fact check false. So they say, oh, it's Jim Crow on steroids is what it is. Come on, man. Do you know how insulting, do you know how denigrating that is to people who really suffered under Jim Crow laws in those 17 Democratic-run states where they were denying black people the right to vote? But this is the kind of rhetorical war they wage. Give us our way or your Jim Crow, but bigger. That's what he wants you to believe, asking for an ID is on Jim Crow on steroids, is worse, worse than the era where they were literally assaulting people, burning down their houses to deny them from voting. This is worse than that because you're asking them for an ID, something that over 82% of Americans support, including 77% of the black community. Why? Because you can't live anywhere in our society without an ID. Okay, you can't drive a car, can't open a bank account, can't get on a plane. Oh, by the way, you can't get a vaccine. you got to be able to prove who you are. So should we be accusing the Democrats of vaccine suppression because they want black people to show an ID there? I mean, it's bananas, but this is what he did. This is what the Democrats have done. They got away with it for a long time. It worked. It was viable. Just calling everybody racist was a viable political strategy. It it was the end result of Barack Obama's election, an election that really broke my heart in the sense that I really, when Barack Obama got elected president, on the day he was inaugurated, I was driving a taxi in New York City. And I pulled my cab over in front of Madison Square Garden to hear his inaugural address because in my head, even though I didn't think a lot of Barack Obama, I was like, wow, America has completely fulfilled its promise. This is the moment where anyone truly can be anything. We have elected a man to the highest office in the land who was born at the absolute bottom of the socioeconomic scale in the year 1960, whose odds of becoming president were infinitesimal. Okay, born into a broke family in a mixed racial marriage in the year 1960, his odds of becoming president were greater than Joe Biden's odds of actually finishing a sentence. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. uh, So in my head, when Obama got elected president, I was like, wow. This guy just got elected with 76% of the white vote, okay? This is an overwhelming, overwhelming testament to the fact that this country is a lot further along on race than anybody's ever giving us credit for. Barack Obama's inauguration, I said to myself in my taxi that day, is the moment where we're never going to debate race again. Yo, I really thought that. I really drove away from the curb that day. Like, all right, Jimbo. I mean, you still got to work 90 hours this week. You're going to take home 200 bucks. (laughs) Smell like pirate hookers and methamphetamines. But that has nothing to do with my job. That's just in my nightlife. But the point is, 
I really, when Obama got inaugurated, was like, this is a really big step forward for the country. But what happened was the Democrats, rather than acknowledging the racial progress we made, they pitted any policy disagreement that existed on something to do with Barack Obama's race. Well, what's so different about this president that conservatives who've opposed the radical expansion of government their whole lives suddenly don't want to get on board with this guy radically expanding the government? What is it about him that makes everything so different? Democrats are so full of crap. And that ushered in the era of identity politics. That, coupled with social media, gave them the opportunity to call everything on earth racist that they didn't like and posit themselves as, you know, as Cory Booker once said, anti-racist. Not enough to be, say, I'm not a racist. You have to be anti-racist, said Cory Booker, that clown. <laughs> but you understand the era of identity politics for the Democrats was, was politically lucrative because calling everybody a racist got Democrats elected. Calling Donald Trump a racist. It almost won him the 2016 election. It actually got the job done in 2020 with the help of a little chicanery in terms of suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. And yes, a massive relaxation in the election integrity laws in this country. But the God's honest truth is the black community was not sitting around asking for rich white liberal elites that have nothing to do with them anyway to start getting offended on their behalf at every turn. The black community didn't ask for a term like cultural appropriation. You know, that wasn't their grievance. That was white America's grievance. Okay, the black community didn't ask to defund the police. The Democratic community asked to defund the police. If you looked at the polling on it, even when it was a political movement, nobody was on board with this. Okay, the only black person who wanted to defund the police was Cori Bush because she was still holding on to her own police detail. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending two hundred thousand, if I spend ten, ten, ten more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets because we're trying to save lives are you stupid or something i mean she is weapons grade stupid okay but you understand it's that attitude and this whole you know notion that they're not going to live in the world their policies have created that has them hemorrhaging support in the black community listen to the cnn clip i'm going to play you about the latest democratic numbers as it pertains to black voters which again is the most viable voting bloc for their party. Take it away, Josh. Clip 43. So you know what's driving this? What's behind it? Well, there are a number of things that are behind it, but, you know, one of the things that I think is so important as we look towards the midterm elections, right? If you look at younger voters, you don't really see that there was much of a change with them in terms of their generic ballot or how they would vote for Congress, even though they had soured on Biden. But look here. The choice for the House of Representatives among black voters. In the 2020 election, Democrats won them by 77 points. Look at the recent average of polling. They're only winning them, get this, by 62 points. Now, I want to put this in a historical comparison for you, and this really gets at how low that 62-point margin is. Choice for House of Representatives, Democrats have won black voters by 75 points or more in every single election this century. This could be a problem. It's a huge problem for the Democrats. You understand they normally get an overwhelming amount of support from the black community. Overwhelming. But the black community, like the Latino community, have woken up to the game. You know, black lives don't matter to the Democratic Party half as much as black votes do. 
If black lives truly matter to this party, the only thing we're talking about is black-on-black crime, which is not a symptom of anybody's race, but a symptom of economic conditions in a community. Okay, if you take any race, any race, doesn't matter. Okay, we're all the same. Okay, we might look different, but we're all the same. No individual race has the monopoly on good people or bad people or anything in between. It's the reason the country's so far past race, at least on the side of the country that isn't Democrat, is because we are living in a fully integrated society. Racism is a byproduct of ignorance. You fear something, you hate something that you don't understand. Okay, having integrated our society to the extent that we do, we're all constantly cross-pollinating on the Internet and pop culture and professional sports social media, and everything we do. Our society is wildly integrated, as, as, as tolerant and inclusive as any society in the world, and everybody knows that. That's the world we happen to be living in right now. We've made that progress. We've made that headway. But on the Democratic side of town, where they're still trying to deny us the progress that we've made, okay, it's not helpful to them. It's not politically expedient to focus on black-on-black crime because there's no element of racism there. But the God's honest truth is they'll focus on any interaction between the cops and the black community because they can inflame the, you know, fan the flames of division. And, oh, the cops are racist. They're out there indiscriminately killing people. We don't have any facts on that. Does anybody have any data that shows us the cops are racist? Put up or shut up. No. The old adage is when you have the facts, pound the facts. When you have nothing, pound the table. They have been pounding the table on racist cops forever. But it's harming the black community, the black community that knows their lives don't matter as much as their votes because – This Democratic Party, this Democratic media does not focus on black on black crime. They just don't care. And black on black crime is only a thing, if we're being honest, because of economics. Okay, there is a direct correlation between high rates of violent crime and low rates of economic opportunity. If you take any race, again, we're all the same. You take an Asian community and they're living in a neighborhood where there's not as much upward mobility in terms of, you know, money-making opportunities, you know, if the economy's garbage, you're going to see people engaging in other illicit ways to get paid, carjackings, robberies, you know, drug dealing, stuff like that. This is, spe- this is not specific to any one race. This goes on in the white community. The poorest white people are more likely to engage in crime than the wealthiest. Okay, that's just the way this works. So if the Democrats cared about the black community, they would be trying to lift up the black community economically instead of waging all of these straw man arguments that are designed to just tear down the white community in the name of fake racism. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. The critics have spoken. Well, that was different. Yep, lousy, but different. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Fired up on a Friday. We're going to be talking to Diamond Dave Landau in the next break. Right now, a little more you and me time. It's been a wild week in Washington. A lot of freakouts about Elon Musk. A lot of straw man arguments about racism. Joy Reid, the race lady, as Tucker Carlson likes to call her. Uh, make no mistake about it. I mean, if you follow that show day in and day out. Joy Reid is a race-baiting loser. I mean, none bigger. 
here she is saying Elon Musk wants the old South Africa back, apartheid. Here it is, clip 40. The thing is, the, the enjoyment they get out of being in this town square is being able to harass people, being able to attack people. There was a time when people had the double hashtags around their names because they were Jewish, and right-wingers were saying, get in the oven right. anytime you made any benign comment on Twitter. Right. They attacked women. The, the, you know, the misogyny was crazy on Twitter for a while. Elon Musk, I guess he, you know, he misses the old South Africa in the 80s. He wants, he wants that back. That was embarrassing. Elon Musk, just so we're clear, South, apartheid didn't exist when he was growing up. He's, he's not that old. <laughs> he, he, and, and let's be very clear, he left South Africa, meaning he didn't like the way it was being run. This is not based on anything factual. This is what they do, man. They're so threatened by the idea of losing their censorship abilities. Again, they wanted you to believe, no, no, you know, Twitter doesn't favor us. What are you guys talking about? Twitter doesn't favor us. For people who say Twitter doesn't favor them, they seem really worked up about the idea that Twitter's going to change hands. And understand, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, 99.4% of all political donations made by Twitter, 99.4% of them, Went to the Democratic Party. Oh, oh, wow. Think about that. Twitter, 99.4% of their money went to Democrats. No, they're not leaning to the left. They're not trying to help them out. Come on. Some crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Like, we all know it. Joy Reid knows it. All of these jackasses know it. And that's what they're freaking out about. Sonny Hostin said the same thing on The View. I played it for yesterday where she said, this is about the free speech of white men. No, it's not. Free speech means free speech. Everybody has it. Again, the thing on my show that we really prioritize, it's just an honest conversation, man. I don't, You don't have to agree with me. That's not what I do here. I'm not an activist. They're activists. That's why they're as upset as they are. But if we're having an honest conversation, okay, there's nothing Elon Musk is saying that would limit the rights of anybody. Okay, because free speech gives everybody free speech. It's a fair fight. It's a level playing field. They don't want a level playing field. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. And if you don't believe me, ask Dave Landau, who joins us next. It's America's life coach. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are coming to you live from the greatest country in the world, broadcasting today from the swamp. We're down in Washington, D.C. Just survived a night in Pittsburgh with the great Herschel Walker. Gave him the Founders Award. I mean, there's a guy who needs to fire his publicist. He went from winning the Heisman Trophy to receiving a plaque from some fat ex cab driver with a couple of dirty jokes to tell to a bunch of people in tuxedos. Uh, joining us now on the line, uh, a man who is headlining the Meyer Theater in Green Bay, Wisconsin, this Saturday night. That's a banger. That's going to be a great one. Diamond Dave Landau back on the show. Hey, man. Hey, how are you? The Meyer Theater swanky, by the way. I've heard it's a fancy one. I've not been, but it's. It, I hear it's nice. It's really weird what's going on in our careers because we're guys who started out doing comedy in opium dens, you know? That's correct, mostly. 
I mean, some the nights we did comedy in the opium dens. Yeah, there, there, there were nights we were in those dens for other reasons. But the point is, let's stay on message here, Dave Landau. Um, sure. That's a home run. And it's, I've, it's, done it, <laughs> I've been in many opium dens, once or twice for comedy. Listen, the rent, the rent don't pay itself, homegirl. You know the deal. <laughs> um, when, when, are you, uh, when are you taking off for Wisconsin, or are you already out there? No, I stopped in Detroit, and then, uh, yeah, I'm heading out to Wisconsin tomorrow. So this is what so, I wanted yeah. to ask you. Have, you. have you been on planes since the uh, the mask came off or no? I have. I've done it. What is the uh, – what's the percentage? What is – I've heard it's like 75%. No mask, but, I, I mean, I haven't experienced it myself, so I'm asking. I would say it is 80% no mask, 20% uh, double mask. <laughs> we we still have those people holding on. Yeah, there's ones that really believe that they're just like you know. I, no, I'm still I'm still Fauci. You know, mid 2020. That's that's where they're still stuck. They're still on that level of terror. And then everyone else is just like, thank God we don't have to do this anymore. It's no longer land of pretend and fear. And they're just relaxed. We're just relaxed. And sometimes I just wear the mask. Because I want to look like somebody you don't want to talk to, and then nobody <laughs> bothers me. This is my favorite thing. Do you remember the people who were declaring they were going to be rebels and, like, they were going to keep wearing their mask? And, you know, you see them on the streets once in a while. And I always feel like, like, first of all, no one cares. No one's going to get mad at you and yell at you for wearing your mask. Like, that's not actually a thing. Like, when you see somebody in public wearing a mask, especially outside— it's kind of like when you see, like, a guy at the gym wearing dress pants and dress shoes on the treadmill. You know what I mean? You're like, I guess yeah. he can do that. But yeah, you don't you, really yeah, you're allowed anger. to. No, you're going <laughs> to slip. It looks silly. But, I mean, you're allowed to do these things. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you technically shouldn't be, but it is a free country. You are walking around outside. Like, if you're afraid of the outside, you're essentially just Bill Murray and what about Bob? You might as well just open doors with tissues and follow around your psychiatrist on vacation. <laughs> so sad. Dave Landau is on the line. Go see him at the Myron Theater in Green Bay, Wisconsin, this Saturday night. Uh, have you been following the Elon Musk thing? Because I love it so much. Because the thing I, I was saying this on Gutfeld the other night, um, you know, for people who claimed that Twitter didn't favor them, the left seems really concerned about the idea that somebody new could control Twitter, No. Oh, absolutely. It just seems so strange by looking at your numbers and my numbers without him technically really in place yet. It is amazing to see like 20,000 new followers on each of our page. Like, oh, we better start acting like we haven't been hiding anything all along. (laughs) That's well, that's what's going on. Right. So they're basically the parents are coming home. After a party, you know, and the kids are trying to hide the evidence of the party, of the partisan party they were having. That's that has to be what it is, because everybody experienced the same thing. Like even with engagement, man, like it's gone through the roof in terms of the numbers. And you're right. They probably took the foot off of some kind of algorithm so they could give followers back. Do you think I mean, that's probably what it is. And it's probably why he had to buy the whole thing is because he said when he bought the nine percent share of the company, he got enough of a look inside what was going on and was like, oh, yeah, you can't fix this, owning 9%, you know? And that's, prob- that's probably what it was. So they had a good thing. They kind of just took it too far because they would have gotten away with this. Like, they threw Trump off Twitter. There wasn't really a groundswell to get him back on, and no one left Twitter. You know, everybody was like, well, now we're just going to leave Twitter. No one was leaving Twitter. 
But Twitter took it so far that somebody like Elon Musk was like, screw it, this still isn't good. And he might have been the only guy in society with the means to do this because it's not like anybody else is laying around with a spare $43 billion under the mattress. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Well, I love that Alyssa Milano's like, I'm going to get her. It's like, you really should. You're going to have a lot of fun there. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the safe haven for you, Alyssa Milano. Uh, That's... (laughs) That's the place to go. You're right, though. That's exactly what's going on. And part of it is you see the people where if you're if you're a conservative or at least right leaning, all of a sudden you have all these new followers. And then you look at like Hillary Clinton, who lost a ton of followers. And I mean, that's not even enough people to commit suicide in a couple of days. So, you know, that they legitimately just were all bots. They were all people that were. You know, they were aware that they were bots following them because they immediately started going, okay, we have to get rid of all these bots. We have to get rid of all these fake accounts. And it mm-hmm. just started dropping fully on the Democratic side. Oh, it's so true. We're talking to Diamond Dave Landau. Uh, you know, you can always tell because there are these accounts on Twitter where the person has like 3 million followers, but he tweets something and two people react to it. And you're like, okay, oh, yeah, by default, amazing. yeah, there's so much of that. The New York Times actually does that. The New York Times had like, 30 million Twitter followers, and they, their tweets get 50 replies, which is crazy. But that's which the is far more than they deserve. <laughs> well, I bring them up because they're part of the, you know, they were part of the effort to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, which, of course, uh, one of the women who led that charge, Nina Jankowitz, is now running the Biden administration's, you know, disinformation governance board. Uh, you know, a little Orwellian, a little weird. You know, people are like, well, this is a lot like the book 1984. You know, that could also have to do with the fact that the president legitimately thinks it's the year 1984. But uh, I don't know anybody who's on board with this level of censorship and oversight. But I think this is like the clap back to them losing what they you know, what they're losing in Twitter. Um, but do you think on some level, I guess this is my question for you. Is everybody thinks this is bonkers. You can't have a ministry of disinformation. What the hell is this? What is the government telling us what we can and can't say and everything in between? Um, but do you think they know that or do they just not care? Because the Democrats do a lot of things that, that we're all like, yo, that's kind of nuts. And, and are they just forcing people to go along? Do they not have the self-awareness? Like what would you diagnose them as? Because they, they just seem out of touch, but I don't know why. Well, yeah, Biden is out of touch because I think it's closer to 1884 that he thinks the year is. But (laughs) I think it does come down to it's a matter of this idea of hate speech, but it's not really hate speech. It's just any speech that slightly goes against what they might believe at all. And that's what they're trying to keep the other side from saying. It's not it's really just it's trying to repress any opinion that's not their own. That's the crazy part. And I think even when you talk about Orwellian, I think of George, you know, George Orwell came back. Not that I'm really educated enough to talk about George Orwell, but I'll pretend I am for a second. I think he (laughs) would come back and be like, guys, it was a book. This is absurd. (laughs) Like, this this has gone way, way too far. This is, these are human beings. This is life. (laughs) Why why would you do this? (laughs) It was, it was supposed to be a movie, not a documentary. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's just, we were joking around. Why is Lloyd Bridges the president from airplanes? This is everything. You know, is this guy real? Is he alive? Have we been weekend at Bernie's the last two years? It's all, it's terrible. And you don't want to like, you know, insult the elderly, but, you know, he's supposedly the leader of the free world, or at least the one that they're puppeteering. (laughs) 
<laughs> Did you see him try to say the word kleptocracy yesterday? He was like, I, the, the, it, the I don't. I didn't even know the word, but by the time he was done trying to say it, I knew the definition. <laughs> I was able to Google it on three different websites by the time he finished <laughs> saying it. <laughs> Yo, dude, it's like, and, and we're being asked to play along, and I like, I can't play along, man. Guy, you know, last week he shook hands with an invisible person. Then he went to talk to a real person, got interrupted by the Easter Bunny. Let me tell you something about the Easter Bunny clip, and I'm sure you guys talked about this. Everybody listening, if you're not not familiar with Diamond Dave Landau, he co-hosts Louder with Crowder, with Stephen Crowder. And I know you talked about the Biden rabbit clip, but do you share my suspicion that when you watch Biden's reaction to the Easter Bunny interrupting him, I genuinely believe he thought he met a talking rabbit? I absolutely think he meant he thought he meant a talking rabbit. I think he was more of a Donnie Darko situation to him, <laughs> where he's just like, "Why are you? <laughs> like, why are you wearing that, that stupid bunny costume? He's like, why are you wearing that stupid person costume? He's like, good point." <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like such a what, what an insane time! What an insane time to be. The kids getting investigated. You know, they ever you know. The, the Biden, the, the unraveling, it's so funny because it went from like, this is Russian disinformation. All right, so we know that's not true. I never met the kid's business partner, so we know that's not true. The only thing we're down to now is whether or not he made money. But in your experience, because we've both told a lot of lies, we were very troubled people in our youth. Okay, we're troubled now, but yes. in different ways. Okay, but as someone who really like lied professionally to uh, maintain the type of lifestyle the two of us enjoyed in our 20s, is there ever been an instance where you were lying about thing one and thing two, but not lying about thing three? No, that's the sad part. (laughs) At least when I was trying to manipulate people because I was a drug addict and I'm four times in recovery now, I was at least good at it i mean i could at least trick people people weren't like you know always going i'm concerned there's something really wrong all the time with him and it's like now he should be the leader of everything (laughs) the guy who quits talking in the middle of the sentence no no we got to put him in charge it'll be great i'm telling you it'll be great no he's fine he's slurring his words i think he's crapping his pants no he's good to go let's let's listen to that guy (laughs) four more years (laughs) yeah that's uh, Let's make him the spokesperson of our company. That's perfect. You're doing great, Dave. We love it. How, how late were you today? Two hours? Perfect. <laughs> we love it. We love it so much. It's so funny. You're just killing it over there. No, nah, it's a, it's a, it's a mess, man. I, I I followed it all week, and it's been like it's been like maybe the dumbest week that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, and everybody freaking out drives a Tesla. Elon Musk was their hero. He was their hero. <laughs> yeah, I it's saw my your tweet. That's what's, that's oh. what's amazing. This dude invented the electric car. I love that tweet. Yeah. And you have the yeah. same people who drive the car, Stephen Colbert, going, "I'll spend fifteen dollars on gas because I drive a Tesla." Then you find yeah. out that he buys. Uh, Twitter and everybody goes crazy. It's like, what are you mad about? I, I don't understand. He's, he seriously only cares about freedom of speech. He's not. It's not a clan meeting. It's just Twitter. It's not, like, he's not even African American. Well, I mean, he is technically. I, he's not black. You're right. Mm-hmm. Thanks. <laughs> like, why do you have to point that out? Oh, it's so insane. Neither is Charlize Theron, but you throw that out every two minutes. (laughs) Dave Landau's on the line. you got to go see him at the Meyer Theater. He's in Green Bay this Saturday night. Green Bay, Wisconsin. Good times. 
Uh, I was in Pittsburgh last night doing the founders dinner for the St. Barnabas healthcare chain. They were honoring Herschel Walker. This is the thing I wanted to talk to you about. It's my belief. It is my belief that the the country is done with outrage. Country, we know who's getting outraged, and we don't enjoy those people. We never did. Nobody ever liked the guy who got mad at everything and made it all about him. But I feel like people now feel empowered uh, to not be offended. You know, they feel empowered to laugh at stuff. And what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is the rooms I've played in the last two months doing stand-up have been phenomenal. Like, do you, do you feel like audiences have loosened up a little bit? Absolutely. And you see people in the crowd who you wouldn't even expect. Like, I see girls with blue hair that are complete conservative. And, I, and really, it, it runs the gamut. You know, it's not really about conservative, liberal, anything. But for the most part, I honestly believe people are starting to fall more in the middle humor-wise where they're not looking to go like, oh, I just want Hannah Gatsby to talk about being assaulted. And you go, well, this isn't comedy, but I'm supposed to pretend it is. And then, you know, nobody wants that anymore. They just, like Comedy is the greatest thing you can have because it, it's really that it, it's that ultimate, uh, you know, it makes everything a little bit even. It makes everything digestible and everything that's bad out there can kind of put a different light, light and perspective on it. And I think people need that more than ever. And if you really do take that away and you take the humor out of everything, you're going to just destroy society. And, and they did it for a while, but yeah. you can't get away. You can't get away from it in, in a free in a free country. No. You just can't. It's, no. it's the one special thing that we have is that we're able to kind of say and do anything we want. And comedians have always been able to do that. And like, and like we've talked about on your show we're the ones that for a while were the ones making the good points and that shouldn't happen. We should just be making jokes and having fun. And we were the ones pointing out all the ridiculous stuff going on. It's so, it's so true. It's like I was, when, when you're making more economic sense as a comedian, as someone who got paid in drink tickets for the first five years of your career, (laughs) we're not supposed to have a better handle on things than the guy running the country. But Biden said yesterday with a straight face, he's like, "Uh, yeah, well, you know, the economy, the the GDP number went down because the economy is just growing so fast. So business is so good it's going down, is what we were told. And I'm like, all right, man. (laughs) I've never been good with money, okay? But come on, dude. Yeah, it's the same guy. It's like, it's like, well, I mean, you have to understand employment's skyrocketing. It's like, well, no. If you don't, if you take away all the jobs and there's two left, and then you hire 400 people for it, <laughs> like, yeah, there's more people being hired, but you you took all the jobs away. Like, you, it's like freeing the slaves and going, oh, there's more people out who are able to get work. Well, yeah, yeah. it doesn't mean the thing that happened was good. Yeah, come on, man. These guys are maniacs. Biden's a mess. Yeah. The whole country's a mess. People need to it laugh. Is. The it, world's on fire. Go ahead. It it is on fire. No, you're right though. That's I mean, it's it's uh, there's no other way to say it. I mean, I like to be more like jovial about it, but the reality is as a comic, you do want things to be kind of chaotic, but at this mm-hmm. point it's like, all right, guys, you've you've sort of taken it past <laughs> the point of humor. Let's yeah, just uh, so <laughs> let's just take it back a little bit. It is, it is so true because you want to know what happened? The world got so stupid. Jokes don't have a shelf life anymore because the world we're living in gets turned upside down like every 10 days. 
And, uh, you know, it used to be funny because guys that were like truly political comics would write an act like every seven to ten years. Every time a presidential administration changed, they'd write a new act and they'd be good for four years to eight years. And that used to be the racket. If you wanted to be a lazy comic, a political comic was a good racket. But now if you're a political comic, you know, your jokes have like they're like carnival goldfish. Like you got to get them in the tank quick because they're going to die by tomorrow, you know. Oh, absolutely. There's so much turnaround because, well, we've never we've never been privy to so much information. I'm not sure we should be, because when you find out about how screwed up everything is behind uh, (laughs) behind what what runs our lives, it's it's you know what? Perfect. That's the out. When everything in your country has become a setup, you know, you're living in a punchline. That's what it is. We're a living punchline. That's who we are. Uh, Diamond Dave Landau, good good job. Uh, the Meyer Theater, you, it is this Saturday night in Green Bay. Get to the damn Meyer Theater, everybody. Uh, enjoy your maskless flight to Wisconsin, my man. I'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Talk to you soon. Be well, brother. My man. There he goes. There we go back after this. You're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon on Fox Across America. Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America. If you're looking for some Fail-A-Vision this weekend, I'll be hosting the Big Saturday, Big Sunday show. I will also be hitting live from the White House Correspondence Dinner with Lawrence Jones tomorrow night, 10 p.m. on the Fox News Channel. And I'll be back in New York Monday to sum it up with Bill Hemmer, Dana Perino on America's Newsroom. And, of course, your fine behind right here on the radio. Happy Friday. The show's over. Pay up. Get out. See you on the television. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.